On this episode, we're talking with legendary North High boys basketball coach, Larry McKenzie. Larry is an incredible mentor to students in North Minneapolis. This episode was recorded several weeks back. This past week, Minneapolis has been reeling in the aftermath of George Floyd's death in police custody. Our youth have watched the consequences of historic racial inequities unfold, and now, more than ever, we need bold and empathetic leadership like Larry's to help us through these traumatic times. Our hearts are broken for the family of George Floyd, and we are mourning and grieving the pain with our city. In light of the horrific events surrounding George Floyd's death, the Minneapolis Foundation has partnered with the Minnesota Timberwolves and Lynx to help take a stand and help prevent further violence and heal communities. And lastly, I'm excited to announce that Conversations with Shonda podcast has won the Sabre Award on May 28th. The award stands for Superior Achievement in Branding, Reputation, and Engagement. It's an honor to share these important conversations with you. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for being in this conversation with me. This is Conversations with Shonda, a podcast that we feature at the Minneapolis Foundation. Our goal of these conversations are to talk with leaders that are making a, a tremendous difference in community, to talk about topics that might be grittier, that might provide introduction to an old issue in a new way for our audience. So I appreciate you um, being part of this conversation today. So I've known you for a long time, but for our listening audience, I'm, I'm hoping that you might provide um, just an introduction of, of, of who you are. How do you, how do you talk about your, yourself, your elevator speech? Well, you know, I mean, I, I guess I would say that uh, I'm a long-term community uh, youth and community advocate, uh, someone who's been involved in education with a mission to really use sports and athletic as a way of inspiring young people or all people, I should say, to become champions and not just champions on, in terms of the hardwood, but champions in life. And so that's a lot of uh, what my personal mission is. So, you know, I've known you, I think that the entire time I've known you, I've known you as uh, Coach McKenzie. And I'm really curious on what was the journey to realizing that being a coach and being an inspiration to youth in the way that you've choose, chosen to use your gift when did you realize that that was something that um, was actually a special um, gift to the community? Honestly, uh, part of my story is uh, I grew up in a household with two educators. So one of the things that I tried to avoid early on, uh, and I always tell people, somebody would have told me 20, 30 years ago that I would be involved with, with youth and any kind of education, I probably would have slapped them. Um, <laughs> And simply because, so, you know, immediately after I got out of school, um, I uh, spent my early part of my career in the insurance business. So I, I, I'm very honest that, you know, I was consumed about trying to make all the money that I can. I mean, I thought that was the ticket. And so um, I, I did that for a while. And interesting enough is I got involved with big brothers and uh, big sisters at the time. And my little brother, uh, Jules, who happened to, you know, be kind of a teenager. So long story short, uh, Jules is over at Ascension in South Minneapolis, and he's in the hallway, and he finds out that uh, his team didn't have, that there was possibly not going to be basketball because they didn't have a coach. So Jules actually volunteered his big brother uh, to become the, <laughs> the basketball coach, and and I always say that uh, the, the, simply that I had got involved with big brothers and big sisters uh, simply thinking that I would impact the life of a 13-year-old young man. And because of Jules, my life was forever changed. And so um, I got into it. I, I enjoyed it. And then I found myself, uh, even when I was in corporate America, every weekend I was involved in a mentoring program. I was always around young people doing things. And I think for a long time, Shonda, you know, one of the things growing up, uh, my grandmother always used to talk about ministry and me, you know, going down that road. And for a long time, I thought that was actually like being in the pulpit, you know, and in front of the church. 
And so I think uh, probably, you know, with the experience of Jules that I finally discovered that there was another way to serve. And I've always said that basketball for me have been more than a ministry and a true calling than anything else. And so it's become a tool as a way of impacting lives. Uh, and so that, you know, I mean, that's my story. Mm-hmm. We've talked a bit about the transformation of young people involved in athletics. And, you know, I, I, I don't have permission from, from Rylan. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to talk about my son who uh, was at another school and I made the decision to move him over to North High School. And he's never been a student, right? So I've known of your work from a distance and now I know of the impact um, up close and personal. And that within a very short amount of time of him being in the school and being on a team and being um, part of something that was bigger, I've actually watched him transform into a stronger student, a more confident young man. Um, I've watched him uh, have a different level of agency about his decisions and his future than what um, we were able to do by ourselves here at home. And I would say that we're great parents that have put him in front of a lot of opportunity, but it was clear that there was something transformative about his experience. And I'm sure that you've seen this before, but can you just speak to kind of the transformations that you have seen and in, in the importance of sports? Well, I mean, so first of all, I mean, and me and you, like you said, we've had this conversation over years. One of, one of the challenges, I mean, I, I just really feel like there's so many folks out there that don't understand the true impact of sports and, you know, arts and all, all of those extra curriculum type things and, and the impact that, that coaches and uh, music teachers and dance teachers have on kids. And I, I think the biggest thing is, I'm a firm believer uh, that kids will meet you at the bar. And so one of the things that we do is, you know, you set high expectations, uh, but then you just don't, you don't, you don't just give the kids a, you know, destination and say, I I want you to get from here to Chicago the best way they can. I mean, you, so, so part of what we do is not only do we give them, you know, set that bar and give them a destination, but we also help them, uh, planned uh, on on how to get there and create that own personal map. And so one of the first things that I always think is important, uh, and, and one of the things that I'll say to you, which is, you know, it, from coaching that I've learned, you know, I coach my son, and it's, it's interesting that someone else can always, even though we have the same message, how someone else can say the same things, in a different way to our kids and it just resonates a little bit more. So I, I don't, that's not unique at all. I, I mean, I had that same personal experience uh, with my son as well. You know, I had an assistant coach at the time at Patrick Henry, you, you know, they had a great relationship. And so I would just communicate through him, you know, some of the concerns and stuff that I had, but, you know, so just going back. So one of the things that I always try to do is first of all, get to know kids outside of being a basketball player. And I think once you understand their own personal why, like, okay, you're playing basketball, you're part of this, what do you want to get out of it? You know what I'm saying? So that it, it that it's a, a win-win kind of relationship. And so once you understand those kids why, then it's simply, kind of, to me, it's easy to hold them accountable. But I also think one of the the biggest things that a lot of our kids need, particularly, you know, the kids that I've spent the majority of my time uh, mentoring and being involved with is sometimes kids just need it, it's it's interesting but sometimes kids need you to believe in them before they believe in themselves uh, and I, I think I've just been blessed uh, with that ability not to just say it but to show the young men that I'm around like you know I, I mean I don't care about your point guard skills or how many points you score uh, or, or, or any of those kind of things I mean I I, I, I want to get to know you, why you're doing this, and what do you want to get out of it? And I have to tell this story uh, because it's a big part of who I am and what I do. So I was blessed at 19 years old. I got involved with uh, college fraternity, Kappa Psi Fraternity Incorporated. Uh, and the I had a gentleman by the name of John K. Cameron. 
and Darlene uh, knows uh, John Cameron. Um, but but John, for whatever reason, out of all the guys, I mean, some 30-plus young men, he decided to take me under his wing. And so as a mentor, I mean, from day one, and I never forget the first time he walked into my uh, house on, on campus, you know, didn't have a whole lot of food. First thing he did is went out, you know, got some groceries, filled up the refrigerator, uh, going to make sure. And I tell people, I mean, you know, I grew up in a two-parent household, but nobody has impacted my life as much as John K. Cameron. And so um, they got me involved in leadership. And so in that relationship over the years, I mean, he became the God, the father of, of both of my kids. And I would always ask him, never let, let, never let me pay for lunch, never would let me pay for dinner, uh, never accepted a Father's Day gift or Christmas gift or any gift at all from me. And the one thing that he was constant in, in communicating to me at all times was he would always say, every time I made an offer, he would say, the only thing I want from you is when the day come, I want you to allow other people to stand on your shoulders the way that you stood on mine. And that has always stuck with me. And I tell people in all of the work that I do, uh, that is the only way that I've ever been able to pay him back. And so I haven't taken that lightly. So a lot of what I do for the young men and young women uh, that I come across, uh, I, I'm just simply doing for them what somebody did for me. So when you talk about, you know, I mean, when, like I understand what paying forward look like because I am who I am because of John K. Cameron. And I said, I mean, you know, there was 29 other people, uh, uh, you know, young men in the group that he could have uh, – chosen to to you know spend that special time with it and, and make a difference but i was that chosen one uh and like i said i mean so i'm obligated to him to allow other young men to stand on my shoulder uh the way i stood on him and i know the difference that he made in my life so that's a lot I, again uh that's part of that transformational journey mm -hmm. i mean there's so much that was rich in what you just shared and there were a couple of emotions that I think came up for me. And one is around um, believe in the students before they believe in themselves. And, you know, we're sitting in a climate, an academic climate, a climate of discussion of disparities. And what are we going to do with these uh, underperforming students, these marginalized communities? You know, and I've always been challenged by that language and what it does to the psyche of the young people and the communities that we're trying to support. How are you able, number one is, do you see that as, an, as, a, as a challenge? And then number two, you know, just, it, it's just striking the, the importance of these more intimate relationships and helping to cut through that noise that says that you're not anything and you're from a place that's not about nothing? Well, I, you know, one of the things that uh, is interesting you say that because um, I always tell the, the young men and, and Rylan will probably share this with you. You know, one of the things that we talk about as I retreat, you know, my grandmother who God bless her soul, she lived to be 104 years old. And, you know, um, at the time I just thought this old lady was, you know, just boy, she used to just get on my nerves. Right. And uh, as I got older, I discovered how smart and rich she was in wisdom. And so she would often say there's nothing new under the sun. So one of the discussions that I have with all of my young men, and, 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 and what you just said is very real. I mean, uh, uh, around the negativity and all, the, all of that kind of narrative that they have to hear. But I always tell them that they're not the first or the last. And so no matter what your situation is, uh, you won't be the first kid that did not know their father. You won't be the first kid that grew up on, on public assistance and none of those things. And so then you have to now make a choice. And, and, and honestly, I just say, you know, so all of those excuses that you've been making, I want you to go over in the corner, cry, get it out of your system, come back, and then let's get a plan about how we're going to change it. Because uh, I, I just believe, uh, again, and so, one, you know, we talk about our creed, and with my creed, what I'm, it, you know, the essence of that is that let's stop making excuses and take control over your life. It's not about 
It's not about who don't like you. It's not about, you know, uh, what teachers are saying or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, here, I, I, you know, you can be the first one in your family to graduate from college. You can be the, the, the one to get a high school diploma. No matter what that thing of it is, it's possible. Is it going to be easy? Uh, as a African-American man, I could tell you probably not, but it's not impossible. And, and one of the stories that I really use now is, I mean, if you take Barack Obama, I mean, didn't know his father, raised by his grandmother, raised on welfare, had all of the excuses in the world, right? But he didn't let that prohibit him from going on to become the most powerful man in the world. And he looked like us. And so those are the kind of things that I'm sharing um, with, with our young men. And, and, and again, I think, I mean, it's funny because all of those folks that are, are the experts and educators, I mean, we're constantly hearing this talk and it's funny, just got off a call. I mean, you think about when we label schools as low performing schools and, you know, the achievement gap and all of those other kinds of things that kids have to listen to. And I guess I'm just one to say, uh, we're not going to believe it and we're going to prove it. And I've been blessed um, through through my through the efforts and the support of people like yourself and others in the community to put kids in a position to disprove that and, and i think we've done that i mean when you look at you know uh our kids and i you know people talk about african-american boys and i tell people when i first got into coaching and i inherited my first team at uh, minneapolis patrick henry i had more kids that was headed to prison than headed to college but I can tell people in 21 years, we've had 100% graduation, 100% of our kids gone on to a two-year or four-year school. Um, and, and, and there's nothing magical uh, to that is accountability and believing in them and helping them believe in themselves. Do you think that um, the local community understands the importance of the statistics that you just stated? Because I still will often hear sort of the stereotype of people talking about um, our ball players and our athletes in schools in, in a couple of ways. One is that um, they're, they're making poor decisions um, or they're involved in gangs or um, they're prioritizing uh, sports over academics. Do you think that people are understanding and embracing the success that you've had with them as students over the success that you've had with them as athletes? I, not, not at all. I mean, because I, I think one of the things is it's easy to get caught up into uh, the media hype and the message, you know, and that and that messaging is is very, very intentional. Right. Because if you communicate those things and you don't have the right kind of support uh, systems around, then you it tend to, you know, play. I mean, you you become that which you hear. Right. And that which people uh constantly saying. So I, I don't think people understand it. And one of the things that I say oftentimes that people are forgetting that, you know, I, and I'm looking at the, the young men that I've been involved with. Okay. Yes. You, you look at the, at the, at them on the court and the success they've had as, as basketball player. But what you fail to realize is that they do have to meet requirements to get into college. Right. You still have to have GPAs. You still have to have ACT and SAT scores. So uh, but I think that's the piece, of course, nobody wants to talk about. Uh, and the reality of it is, I mean, I, I don't want to. I mean, I, I mean, I'll just be frank. Our kids, I, one of the speeches that I do is uh, with my young men is, are you a player? Are you being played? And if we follow the dollar, um, you know, a kid going to the University of Minnesota, it's a fifteen to twenty thousand dollar year investment, right, uh, in that young man. But if they're going to Oak Park or Stillwater, it's a sixty-five thousand dollar investment into that young man. So where do you have most val the most value at, right? It's being locked up, and so this is why it's important. You know what I'm saying? Not to become part of that narrative. But I always say, I remember in, in college reading a book called "Don't Believe the Hype." And it just talks about all of those stereotypes that you hear, you know, I mean, and one of the things that you talk about athletic, but we also hear, you know, that there's more black men in prison than in the college. But then 
On the flip side of that, if you really do the research, that's a misnomer as well. And right. so the, we don't, we don't want to talk about the positive. And, and the danger in our community, uh, when you ask that question, is oftentimes, I mean, and I hate to say this, but it, it, it only takes a little bit of something for them to run with. So instead of, of you know, really researching and getting the facts, you know, and, and the thing that I, you know, even prior to, you know, I hear everybody talking about, well, coach, you know, about the basketball program, but what they don't, they, what they haven't talked about, you know, and talk about the academics of North High, what I tell them, you know, I look at the kids that, that was there when I first got there in 2006, uh, 14, who are now graduating this year, uh, Ed O'Walker is going to get a degree from Morehouse. Morehouse, yeah. Yeah, Jamil Jackson's graduating from IUPUI. Tyler Johnson's graduating from the University of Minnesota. Uh, you know, uh, Pat Dimley's graduating from uh, Texas Basin. I mean, so all of those kids, all five of those kids that were seniors are getting degrees and graduating on time. And Jamil is actually uh, going to leave IUPUI with a master's degree. So, you know, obviously it, it's not about, you know, I mean, those kids were athletes, but they also had the ability to take care of business in the classroom. So a lot of that is about the kid, their families, and the support systems that they have around them. So, mm -hmm. uh, but to answer your question, I, I just think that, again, I don't think a lot of people really understand the impact of athletics or other extra kind of curriculum uh, activities and being involved with them. Yep. I have kind of two tracks of, of um, questions. And I think I'm going to go with that. The last point that you just made and that um, I think that uh, what I see is that in suburban or, or better resource school districts, extracurricular activities are part of the fabric of the school that um, those parents, those communities, those districts see them as necessary for students to have a well-rounded experience and for them to build the type of academic community that they aspire to have, that they see that as a necessary component. I often am in conversations um, in our urban settings where people are saying, well, no, they just need to do the academics. Right. Like the extracurricular is, is extra. We need to just double down on education and um, it, it's unrealistic. There's a small percentage of, of folks that go to the NBA, the NFL. So why why have them have the hoop dream? And I know that you hear that. I think that it's it's incredibly damaging to tell a child not to dream big. Um, but we hear that. And so, you know, what have you seen or how has the investment or lack of investment in sports been challenging for you or what are your observations about that well i mean obviously and again i mean in the district that i coach in they give one half or one percent in terms of athletics i mean you you can say what you want to say but i don't have a problem of saying that it in, in my opinion it's not a priority uh to them um i agree with you in terms and, and so here's the thing if you look at common day practices right and being on the education side as well. I mean, kids go to school six hours a day uh, and anywhere from 190 to 196 days during the calendar year. Most of that time is spent preparing to take a test. Uh, and so the question that I ask is, you know, when you're building a well-rounded person and you're a former athlete, when do you, when do you learn about teamwork? When do you learn about uh, integrity? When do you learn about time management? All of those other kinds of things. I mean, I was just having a conversation with my daughter last night about the very time that we're in. I think being a former athlete has much prepared me more to get through these difficult times because I, I was saying, I mean, as a coach, you know, I come out in a game and I prepare to play man-to-man -man offense and the team comes out in a zone. I have to make an adjustment uh, really, really quick. Uh, you know, you, you win, you lose, and so there's highs and lows. All of those kinds of things come from being an athlete. And, and it's interesting because as I'm watching leadership right now, 
I, I'm watching a lot of folks that we've looked to for leadership actually, uh, in, in a sense, they're in panic mode because they're not used to dealing with adversity. And so uh, as an athlete and a coach, it's something that we're dealing with all the time. And so, um, and I also find it very, very interesting, I'll say this, is that, you know, the person that's out front on this, uh, Dr. Farsi, you know, just reading the other day, he's a former point guard, right? Oh, well. Right. And so, uh, but so, so those are the things that I think people miss in terms of athletic. It's not just about the, you know, throwing the ball out and running up and down the floor or, or on the football field. It's all of those other intangibles that goes into, uh, you know, what's, what, if, and I would say, I would say the majority of the coaches is most of those other intangibles that goes into helping that young person become uh, a whole person and not just, you know, because again, I mean, if we have the conversation around the, just focus on the academics, well, uh, in our environment, the academics is oftentimes you go to ABC school, it's a failing school, you can't read, you can't write, you can't do math, all of those kind of things. So I, I ask the question, where's the benefit in that? I don't even know where to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that what I can um, say that I appreciate about what I would say is, you know, in my experience, the North Side greats, um, because that's what my realm has been largely re relative to schools, right? It has been those teachers, those principals, Mari is one that seem to center the relationship with the, with the student. And then everything else flourishes from there. And, and it feels like in the environments where they're centering how to resolve a disparity, the relationships default um, is not where it needs to be. And those students aren't building the type of community of expectation. And, um, you know, it's incredibly frustrating for those of us that have been in this work for a long time trying to figure out how to move that needle. Um, and knowing how important just the roots of those relationships and those high expectations and those opportunities are. Well, I, I think a lot of that is, is just old school stuff. Um, one, a lot of the folks that are in leadership roles, I mean, they, they come from that of, they're in, and I always say this, I mean, you can, you can make a, you can give a person a position, you can't make them a leader. Yeah. And, and then there's a difference, what I consider a difference between uh, being a leader or leadership and then being a transformational leader or transformational leadership. And I think true leadership is, is, or transformational leadership is really about relationship, right? It's, it's about getting to know someone uh, and then transforming, uh, helping them to transform, to become a, a better them. Uh, and, and so to me, I think when you look at, uh, I mean, all of the folks that you describe, I mean, when you look at, to me, uh, those folks who have the most impact I would consider them as what I would call transformational leaders. Um, and that they know that the best leaders are making other people better. And it's not about, you know, uh, it's not about them. It's not about, um, and, and I just think that that's where uh, 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 some of the challenges that we have. So I'll, I'll kind of leave it at that. Yeah. So the other um, direction that I wanted to go in, as you talk about, you know, Patrick Dimbley and Tyler Johnson and your former students, and I know you have a list of them that have gone on to be successful to get their degrees. Um, what relationship, what is your relationship with your former players and how does that contribute to the success of your current players? Well, the, the, the beautiful thing about me is I tell people probably, you know, uh, Father's Day is probably one of the best days for me every year is because I get about 300 calls from um, all of my, uh, you know, the, my former players. So I'm in, I'm in constant contact. I mean, you know, my kids are in college. I'm, I, I still call their coaches on a weekly basis to, to check up on them to see how they're doing. 
uh, we're texting, we're, we're communicating. Uh, and the one thing that I say to all of my kids is the same thing I've said to both of your sons. I mean, once you come into my program and you play for me, you become a McKenzie, you become part of my family. And I treat them the same way that I treat Lawrence McKenzie. And so, uh, and, and we have those same expectations. And so, um, I, I, and a lot of what you see and in, in, in your sons are share, you know, so on a weekly basis, I'm bringing uh, my former players in, uh, having conversations, they come in. And so I, I want our guys to know that this is no, what, what they're going through or the things that I'm saying are no different uh, for them than what I've said to, to guys in the past. And I also think it's important, uh, even in terms of, you know, sometimes I think we miss the mark. And, and I say this uh, with not taking advantage of, uh, of, of our heroes and sheroes like yourself who have walked those hallways of, of, of North High School to, to not have you in front of those students uh, so that they can see that it is possible. And, and, and that's the, one of the biggest things for, for me. I, I think that I want our kids to see other movies, right? And, uh, and when you, get, you bring in a kid like uh, Al Nolan, who's had some of the same challenges, but he's walked the hallways, and in spite of what people say about the community, he was able to navigate it, go to the University of Minnesota, get a degree, now as an assistant principal at Park Center High School. If he can do it, you can do it. Uh, and I just think that that is the kind of messaging uh, that our kids need to have. One of the things that I often take from John K. Cameron is he, he used to say that you can't be what you don't see. And so a lot of what uh, we do in the program is just exposing them to to opportunities and things and to people uh, so that our kids know that it is possible, no matter what it is. And so, you know, I, I, I consider myself a master networker. And so no matter what it is our kids want to do, uh, I either know somebody or know somebody who knows somebody that we're going to be able to make that connection so that, uh, and I don't care what somebody else is telling you, it's possible because I'm going to have you talk to Shonda uh, Smith-Baker. I'm going to have you talk to Houston White. I'm going to have you talk to Al Nola or, or uh, Macron Elamine or, you know, there are others who are impacting this community that walk this, the same pathway that you walk. And I don't care what they're saying out there, it's possible. And so I always say, and I, I say this all the time, one of the things when the young men leave me, I don't want them to have an excuse that they've never heard. And once I give you the information, then I tell them you make a choice instead of taking a chance. So we try to make sure that they have as much information as they can uh, so that then, then you're choosing which path you decide to go down. Right. One, you know, it might be even helpful for uh, people listening to, to better understand your program. And, uh, you know, I'll let you um, kind of jump in on that. But one of the things that I want to say is that you take um, your young men on a retreat. And um, this year, my son went, one son went, the other son was invited and missed yeah, the bus. We, yeah, we, <laughs> somehow he got left. Hey, his backpack showed up, but he didn't. This boy missed the bus. <laughs> and um, he had all the excuses that he will never use again because I think he felt like he really missed out on something. And um, it, it's actually kind of funny because um, in my imagined mother mind, it would have been the opposite. The, you know, the one that missed the bus would have been on and the other one would have missed it. And so um, my son that went is, you know, a little bit more reserved. And we came home and we were having this family dinner where we're basically exposing to one what they what he missed out on and celebrate the other for um, his uh, commitment to being there and fully in it. And we were asking questions and tried to draw it out from him um, what, what he learned. And there was a moment and I just said, just say what you're thinking. And he said, I don't know. I just, I don't know what I learned, but I feel like I matured over the weekend. 
And it was like, it was like a moment that was so special for me to just think about him being in a community of his peers with the men that you brought around them for him to understand his role and position and all of that mattered and that he can take himself more seriously than what he had been. And, you know, I just want to sincerely thank you um, for that. And um, I mean, I just sat at the table and said, I want every student in this city <laughs> to have that experience. <laughs> and what can I do to make it so? Well, I mean, you know, obviously, I mean, there's no secret. You've been a very, very big supporter of mine, and I appreciate it. But, you know, one of the things is, and so I think um, I, I've been doing that, Shonda, because I think it's important for me to get our young men out of the city. And I don't know if you probably, you may have missed it, but but one of the videos, um, and I'll have to send it to you, that actually brought tears to my eyes. Um, one of the young men that we had there, he, he made a statement as, as we recorded each of them doing a presentation. So part of what we do is, you know, we, we spend some time and we go through some of the workshops and they all have to actually get in front of the group and present, you know, one or two things that they've learned from the weekend before we leave. And one of the young men was just so appreciative of having the opportunity to get out of the city he said it was the first time that he had slept in three years. You know, mm -hmm. no gunshots, no sirens, no any of those kind of things. And he was amazed to to see stars. And, and it was it's just the little things. But I, I, I like to get our young men out. Uh, we we do a, a few things there in addition to bringing in some speakers. But we we do this thing where we we call unpacking your backpack. And we, it's, it's a circle kind of uh, thing that we do, but you get an opportunity to just share. And whatever the challenges that you have in life, uh, it, it kind of coincides with our creed that today you're going to just let go of everything, unpack your backpack, and you're going to get a fresh start. And, 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 I, and, and to you, I've just been um, amazed um, of, of Ryland and the maturity that I, and and even for the short time the growth that I've seen in him and and just um you know and again as as you said you know I don't I don't want to share too much of our conversations but uh just some of the com the amazing conversations of that I've had with him in terms of a young man that are asking questions about knowing where he wants to go uh, and not being afraid to ask for help on how to get there. Um, and, and I think the one thing that I'll give him credit and, and you want, so every young man that becomes part of the program that goes on that treat, they have a choice, right? They can embrace the and take in the information that we give them over the weekend, or you can just put it to the side. I think the beauty of that for him and I would say probably 98%, 99% of the group is most of those young men come back um, in, in that short 48 hours uh, somewhat changed, you know, uh, but at least with a new way of thinking because they can get away. We take away the cell phones, all of that kind of stuff, and we focus on. Uh, so one is unpacking the backpack and then just talking about your why. You know, uh, for some of them, they want to be the first ones to graduate, first one in their families to graduate from high school, okay? What's the plan? How are we going to do that? Some want to be the first ones to uh, graduate um, from college. What's the plan? How are we going to do that? What are your five schools? What does it take to get in? And, and, and you know what's funny? It's interesting because you said earlier when you talk about information, you know what I can tell you that I've never had? What's that? A kid that stands up in the front of the room and say they want to play in the NBA or the NFL. Are you kidding? Not at all. Wow. It, 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 and it's not what people think. I mean, it's it's real stuff. I mean, kids wanting to, like like I say, I want to go to college because I want to get my mom, uh, uh, buy my mom a house. 
I, I, I want this kind of job. I want to, but, but never ever, you know, it, it, it's, it's not, uh, it's not what people think. I mean, it's not kids that, you know, uh, their why is I want to play in the NBA, in the NBA or the NFL. And, and I, and I can just tell you in 21 years, I, and I'm just, that's not something that I've heard kids when, when they get an opportunity to talk about their why, that's not why they're, they're, they're doing it. I mean, these are kids that, that, that want to be leaders in the community that, you know, that understand that they're leaders in the school, but, but they want to change. These are kids that truly want to change the narrative. Hmm. Wow. So the other, the other piece, the one is what is your creed? You, you've mentioned it a couple of times is so, what is the creed? So I, I will give you the creed. It's something that I live by. And I, I always tell people, um, is something that my my younger brother, who was coaching at Delaware State at the time, shared with me. It's something that I've used for the last 20 plus years. And I always tell kids, if you don't get anything else from Coach McKenzie, uh, you take this with you. It's something I do every day before I leave my house. So it goes like this, that this is the beginning of a new day. I have been blessed with this day to use as I will. I can waste it or I can use it for good. For what I do today is important. I'm exchanging a day of my life for it. I, Larry McKenzie, must decide good or bad, gain or loss, success or failure, in order that I'll never regret the price that I've paid for. And one of the things that I remind kids is this, is that every single day is a gift. And I always tell people I used to have this strange habit uh, until I, you know, my kids kept getting on me about technology, but I was probably... Uh, and I still get the Sunday paper. So I'm probably one of the last people, one of the, the very few people that still actually read the newspaper. <laughs> but I would get up every morning, Sean, that I would go to the local section and I would go to the obituary column. And people would say, why? And I say, because that was my reminder that there were some people that was here yesterday that are not here today. So every day is a gift. And so I want my young men to know that, you know, you have to take advantage of it. Um, and so, and then you have in the day, so this is the beginning of the day, I have been blessed with the day to use as I will. And so no matter how much you love your mom, no matter how, how much you love your siblings, or I love my grandkids, it, it's not about them. It's about me taking ownership for me and nobody else. And so, we don't use the excuse that I didn't get an A because of the teacher. I did, or I tell them I don't determine playing time, right? You decide good or bad, gain or loss, success or failure. And what I what I want my young men to know that don't ever give away that power. Don't ever give away that power. So you know you take control of determining your destiny, not someone else. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, you have the ability uh, to be uh, an A student if that is what you want. And then we just have to figure out a way to get you to that. Uh, but but, but I, that creed is something uh, that, I, that I most definitely share with them. We, we say it before every practice. We do it before every game. But I want them to know that every single day is a gift. And then you must decide every single day. And I try to practice that. I tell them, I try to learn a new word, try a new food, but it's about getting outside of your comfort zone, right? And growing every single day, mm -hmm. but being in control because when you're, when, when you're at basketball practice, your friends are on the Xbox or PlayStation and they're doing other things. So you're making a sacrifice. So you don't want to waste this time that you're spending in study hall and not get something from it. You don't want to waste this time in practice and not get something for it. So it, it's just a reminder every day. Um, and, 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 the, and the one thing that I tell, I think I read this in Napoleon Hill, that 90, probably only 5% of those of us on the face of this earth actually have goals. And one mm -hmm. of the things I ask kids all the time is go home, ask your mom, dad, uncle, older sibling, where do they see themselves five years from now? Most people can't ask that question because they're living life. One of the things that we want to help you do in this program is learn to set goals. 
And sometimes, I mean, you're going to come into roadblock, but that won't keep you from achieving those goals. So that's a lot of what the creed is about, is something that we're constantly reminding the kids. Um, when my my former players, as you asked about, when they call and they're having some challenges in their life, that's the first thing I tell them. Let's go back to the creed. Who's yeah. in control? What's your part in this? And so let's start with you, and then we'll figure the rest of it out. But that's the essence of the creed. Right. And then in terms of the program, so I know you have you have tutoring, you have retreats, you bring in speakers, you have a creed. Um, you know, I've seen you take them to dinner, you celebrate their academics. You know, what are the other core components that you would share that you think are, are difference makers? So, so uh, I mean, you, you said, so on, on the academic side, I mean, we, we have a mandatory study hall, so it's not an option. Uh, as you well know, we have the parents sign a contract. I require them to, you know, sit in the class and, and we call our A-plus program. So uh, we give them a weekly grade sheet that I see every kid in the program on every Thursday. So I know if they're, they're tardy to class. I know if they're missing an assignment. I know if they missed the test, all of those kind of things. So it's accountability. Uh, we let them know up front that if you're not uh, being a student athlete, you won't be playing basketball. Uh, so that's the academic component. Then we have the life skill component. So, you know, we, we work with the city of Minneapolis with this year. Uh, well, actually, for the last three years, we've been working on a program uh, around uh, boys to men where we talk about domestic violence. We talk about what it means to be a leader in the community, all of those kind of things. Um, a big component of what I do is I make sure our kids know how to play chess. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and I think that's an important part of uh, becoming, you know, uh, a basketball player. But it's about being able to think ahead. And so we talk about chess in the sense of how do you move from being a pawn to becoming a king. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a, a lot little di different. So that those are the life skill components. We, we do yoga and meditation and all of those kinds of things in our program. Uh, and then, you know, when we're traveling, we make sure that we uh, get our kids on college campuses, those kind of things. I'm a believer in celebrating the little things. So every uh, quarter when grades come out, we uh, take our kids out to eat to celebrate those kids that are on an A-B honor roll uh, because that's important to us uh, and it's important to them. And so I want to celebrate those kids. And, and I can tell you, I think uh, we were just talking with our coaches last night in uh, our staff, we, we went from uh, six years ago, probably about 77% of our kids being a on a roll student. Now we're up to 96% of our team being uh, AB on a roll students. So it, it's working. And, and, and I think the thing about it is, as you well know, uh, because you've experienced it, when those kids come home and like, I got all A's, you know, and, and, and I think I shared this with you, but I had a a young man who called me, uh, so we're at practice uh, before the season ended. He was like, coach, coach, uh, can I talk to you real quickly? So he came over and whispered in my ear. He was like, coach, I saw my name on the honor roll. Uh, mm -hmm. And it really just brought tears to my eyes because uh, at the beginning of the season, this is the kid who was failing all of his classes, who made the honor roll. And so we celebrated that. And, and, and the, the message there was, okay, now you know it's in you. And again, yeah. it goes back to what we've been talking about, right? So now, if you're not doing it, we know that you're capable. It's a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice. And so that's a lot of what I'm trying to get our young men to, to understand. And so it, it, it's about, you know, I always say the three C's, choices, chances, and consequences, right? Mm -hmm. And so you could either take a chance or make a choice, but in the end, you don't, you don't get to determine the consequences. And for some of our kids, when you decide to take a chance, instead of making a choice, it becomes five to 10, 10 to 20, life or death. And wow. so we want you to have that information so that you can make the right choices. And I'm proud to say that, you know, uh, as you can see firsthand, that uh, even in a short time, uh, that those young men that come in, in our program and because it's so contagious. It's a part of the fabric. We don't just talk about excellence being a standard. We live that. 
right? Uh, and we hold everybody to that, uh, including coaches. And kids want our, our kids. Like I say, I'm a firm believer they will meet you at the bar if you raise if you if you have that expectation, they will meet you there. And I think you can say that you've seen that firsthand. I absolutely have seen it, and I think you know one of one of I guess I have maybe two more questions, but. One of them are about the other coaches, right? Because it's very easy to just focus on the athletes that you have inspired and created community around. The one thing that has been really wonderful to see, I guess, you know, I see the, the, the pictures of, of y'all at the games with all the coaches on the sidelines. I'm like, look at all these coaches on the sidelines. But when you're up close, you understand it better because the amount of time that has been committed to these young people is remarkable. It's appreciated. It's inspiring. And um, you have coaches that I went to high school with that went to North that are now giving back and to just watch them, um, you know, kind of be part of the program. And so I imagine that part of what you're building is also around having a cadre of coaches that also can play it forward. Can you say anything about that? For me, to be honest with you, that's my ultimate goal. You know, so one, I would say the number one criteria I've always had for my staff is not somebody who knows basketball. It's not about X's and O's. It's about people who are really committed to kids. And I think my staff exemplifies that, that they are, are, are committed to making a difference. And so, you know, we invest a lot as well. I mean, we talk about what we invest in our players, but, you know, around personal development, I'm constantly sending our coaches to uh, conferences and workshops and webinars and all of those things, not just around basketball, but how uh, they can become better leaders. And the ultimate goal for me is if I, if I could kind of clone myself and uh, get to other coaches and other places to do similar things, I, I think then maybe perhaps people will be, be able to see the impact and the influence that coaches actually are having uh, beyond winning games and, and championships and all of those kind of things, but how, how we're really impacting lives. And, I, you know, the, the, the downside of my staff is, as you well know, my, my coaches, while they're very capable of running their own programs, have this, you know, they just, we're just such a family that they don't want to leave, you know. <laughs> and so even when they've been presented with opportunities, uh, but they're so committed to, to, to North Minneapolis and what we do uh, in the community. So, you know, they find other ways, as, as you well know. Uh, Mike is just doing a fantastic job with building this Heritage Youth uh, Foundation and uh, introducing kids to new sports and yeah. kind of things in the community. Coach Pete with his uh, youth development with the young kids and the amount of time that he's investing in those second and third graders. And so, you know, it, which is, which to me, and I know that they're taking a lot of what we do. And so now we're, instead of them getting it in the ninth grade, kids are being exposed to a lot of what we do, second, third, fourth grade. Uh, so it's, it's truly impacting the community and it's a beautiful thing to see. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. So you, um, you've got uh, trainings that you're sending your coaches to. You've got meals that you're um, celebrating uh, with, your, with your athletes. You've got retreats, speakers, all of these things that have to be costly in a program that's underfunded. How do you make that work? And what, you know, if people were listening and wanted to provide support or opportunity, how would you direct them to be able to support this program? So, so to be honest with you, when I do my budget, what, and again, I mean, I didn't even bring that up, but we feed our kids every single day. So, uh, you know, the, uh, doing study hall, we provide them with a sandwich and a snack uh, every single day. Then we make sure that we keep a supply of peanut butter and jelly and bread. Uh, Man, and I don't know what, what y'all are doing with these peanut butter sandwiches. I'm telling you, these kids at my house are like, ooh, them sandwiches. <laughs> they, they, yeah, they, they, I, was, I, I was thinking about that the other day. So I saw the the packets that those kids were getting, right, from the, the school. And I was like, I know my kids are like, this is not going to work because th when they get done with the, the sandwiches that we provide them, they go right to the coach's office and like, can I get 
Uh, can I make a couple seven? And your boys, <laughs> I don't think they ever leave without uh, hitting that refrigerator on a daily basis. Like, <laughs> Coach, can I, I get a sandwich? <laughs> can I get a sandwich? But uh, so we we feed them hot meals on game days, and so it really costs us about uh, sixty-five, seventy thousand dollars a year uh, to do the things that we've been doing. But we've been blessed to hire, you know, uh, generous friends in in various places. Uh, such as yourself who have supported us. Uh, and so we're able to get it done. And one of the big things for me, and, and I just thank God uh, for, for the network that I do have, is because one of the things that I always said, I want our kids in North Minneapolis to have the same things that their suburban counterparts have uh, elsewhere. So for those people that want to give, you can you know, go to our website, uh, www.northpolarhoops.com. There, there's a place there to donate. You can reach out to me uh, to figure out how to donate. Uh, and you know, so we and, and it's a little thing. So we have people like, for example, with me, we have our guys wear shirts and ties. So we have people who've donated ties uh, and shirts for the young men to be able to wear to um, away games and those kind of things and and those needs. And so. Um, a laundry list of, of needs that we have. Uh, the retreat is not inexpensive uh, as we're, you know, transportation, uh, feeding them for uh, three days and um, having speakers and those kind of things come in. So uh, always looking for, for more support. And again, I mean, I'm going to be very honest. You talked earlier uh, in terms of what supports we get uh, through the, the school and MPS. Right now, the only support goes to pay half of our coaching staff. So I also have to in that um, in that sixty-five, seventy thousand dollars is me paying the other half of my coaching staff. And I think one, one of the positions that we have, you know, uh, on my staff, uh, we we do two things that I think is different from other programs. I have one position that I consider a character coach. And they're dealing with all the character kind of things. And their responsibility is to touch base with the young men and make sure, you know, that we know what's going on with them outside of school and basketball. And then I also have uh, uh, a life skills academic coordinator. And so Coach D, which has that position, he coordinates, you know, making sure that all the kids are accounted for uh, for study hall making sure the speakers are coming in for the life skill component. So, you know, we're, we're doing things a little bit different. And I mean, if, if you know, so, I mean, sometimes I mean, you get what you pay for. Mm -hmm. um, you get what you pay for. And like I say, over the years, uh, through people such as yourself, my fraternity brothers, lots of folks in the community, we've been blessed uh, year in and year out to make it happen. Yeah. Speaking of um, transportation, I mean, the bus driver, Jim, right? Like, yeah. like, I mean, he shows up at the games, like he comes and sits down, like he, he loves those kids in that program. And I mean, you know, he said, like, I'm a parent. I know the bus driver name, right? Right, right. It's like, he's like, yo, this is a family. I've never seen anything like it. I can't get enough of it. It is a pure joy to like take these kids and watch them evolve. And so, you know, in any business, you want everybody in every role to understand the difference making that they have. And I can honestly say I have seen it at every level. It is, it is um, remarkable and something that really just transcends, I think, the basketball program to what it should look like to be in a community of excellence. So I, I celebrate you. I thank you. You know, I... Um, I'm absolutely a supporter. Not only do I just like sports, but I understand the importance of having them. So my closing question is because I'm at the Minneapolis Foundation and as um, we think through investments or, you know, one of the questions that I ask almost everyone is what do you think philanthropy's role is in supporting a well-rounded student experience? So I think you have to invest in everything and certainly I think we've proven that uh, athletics, out of school time, is an important tool in terms of closing the achievement gap. Um, and um, 
the impact that it can have. Uh, and so I know traditionally, you know, when you talk about uh, sports and, and, and investing in, in sports program, uh, you know, a lot of times philanthropies don't see, you know, well, I, I don't want to buy more balls. I don't want to buy more bats. I don't, I want to, I don't want to buy uniforms, but I, I think what we do is evident uh, that it's much more uh, than just a game uh, uh, for us. And it's all of those uh, other kinds of things that we're bringing uh, to, to kids. And I, and I think, you know, I mean, and I, I say this all the time, there's a reason that when you see athletes, you know, finally get to the pinnacle of their careers uh, on TV, the two people that they always make sure they think is their mom and their coach, yeah. you know, uh, and, and, and there's a reason for that. And that tells you ab about the influence and the impact. And, and so one of the things is, you know, as you said earlier, um, I'm trying to find a way um, I'm, I'm working right now, taking some time uh, while we're on this hiatus of, you know, developing a, a, a program that will give me the ability to share uh, what I call our recipe with other coaches, you know, not only in, in Minneapolis, uh, right now starting with, in Minneapolis and St. Paul, but eventually hoping to be able to share nationwide, even internationally, because I, I think, um, you know, we have a captured audience. I mean, one of the fascinating stories, even in terms of when kids talk about, do talk about going to the NBA and the NFL, I, I share the story with them. So first of all, there's like 800 jobs in the NBA, many of which people uh, don't think about. But there is security, there's accounting, there is social media, there there is so many other opportunities. And George Ellis, who started uh, with me as my 9B coach, uh, coaching the kids that was just around and who, you know, probably wasn't going to ever get any varsity minutes. But George is now in the NBA. He's now working for the Minnesota Timberwolves um, and uh, in charge of running their camps and their their uh, academy. And George has never played a minute, but he can say that he made it to the NBA. So that's part of what we want to help kids understand as well. You can get there, you know, and maybe as an owner, not necessarily yeah. as a player. Well, so, you know, I have a strong feeling about one of these Minneapolis public schools becoming a sports management <laughs> focus, right? Of like well, introduction, right? Of stats for math, of broadcasting, of sports writing, of legal, of the medical um, staff that's that that are part of it. Like, I mean, ultimately, like if I can figure out how to make that happen, I, I will. <laughs> well, I will be emailing you because I've actually put together, outlined the whole curriculum. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, yeah. So yeah. So it, it's been a dream of mine for the last seven years. Yeah, um, I love it. I love yeah. it. So you also, you know, basketball—it's more than a game. I feel like I might have read a book about that. Yeah. So so that's uh, that's my uh, first book, uh, mm -hmm. and um, we're I'm actually in the process of doing the second edition of that. But it's uh, basketball, so much more than just the game. And if I could just do my quick commercial. B yep. talks about understanding that it is a business and getting a scholarship is an investment. So B is business. A, appreciate the people in your life because people are making sacrifices for you to have these opportunities as being a student athlete. K, the importance of knowledge. Uh, knowledge is power and people get paid for knowledge. Uh, e, enjoying the moment. Um, and again, I express with my young men all the time. Don't be in a hurry to become an adult because it comes with responsibility. T, being teachable slash coachable. B, believing in yourself. Uh, and that's where the creed comes in. A, attitude determines altitude. Live to love, love to live. It's a 10-chapter book, all life lessons about the game uh, that we share uh, with young people. It's a perfect way to end the conversation. I appreciate um, not just our time this morning, um, the time that uh, you give to this community every single day, your commitment and your passion um, to make excellence the standard everywhere. So thank you.
But let me just say, and let me just say thank you to you because there is no greater appreciation than allowing me to uh, have time and, and trusting your, your young men uh, with me in my program. So I want to tell you that I, I appreciate that and all the support uh, that you've, uh, like you say, we, we've known each other for some time and uh, I've always been very appreciative of, of not only, uh, you know, the, the support uh, from a financial standpoint, but your wisdom and uh, the one thing, and I can say it, I know this is not a commercial for you, but, but what I appreciate about your leadership and one of the challenges that we have in this community is that you're an uncompromising leader and you stand on those things that you believe in um, and no matter who or what uh, may, have, may have difference of opinion, uh, you don't let those things rattle you. And to me, that's one of the things that we're missing in our community. So as I'm developing these coaches, I hope you'll think about how you develop more leaders in that manner, because uh, I think if we're going to get through some of the challenges that we have, we have to have people that stand on principle uh, and no matter what uh, are not willing to compromise for the sake of opportunity or finances or any of those kind of things. And so that's one of the things that I've always admired about you as a leader. Thank you. And I will, um, I will think about <laughs> that, that charge you put in front of me and you know that I've made a commitment to supporting others. And I do think that there are um, ways to, to take that up a notch and I, I will take that challenge on. And there you have it. That's Coach Larry McKenzie and Shonda Smithbaker. You can follow Larry McKenzie on Twitter at Coach McKenzie or visit CoachMcKenzie.com to learn more. To listen to more episodes and learn more about upcoming events, please visit ConversationsWithShonda.org. You can also follow Shonda on Twitter at Shonda S. Baker. This is Sue Pak Keenitz from the Minneapolis Foundation. Thank you for listening to Conversations with Shonda.